Hey, good morning. It's a great day to be alive, great day to worship. And so as uh, Dustin said, when you walked in, you received a, a packet of information. Grab the, uh, the bulletin insert. It's got sermon notes in there. And uh, you can reach behind you if you're on the front row and grab a pen or reach into the seat in front of you. I want you to take notes and I want you to really uh, get a grasp of what we're talking about today as we deal with the book of Acts. Now, if you've been coming here for a few weeks, you'll know that we've been in a series that we've titled Inspired. Inspired, and we're looking at the 66 love letters of God that starts in Genesis all the way through Revelation. We started early June. Uh, starting in Genesis, we finished up the Old Testament the last weekend of uh, August. And last week, I kind of gave you an overview, if you will, of what we call the four Gospels. The four Gospels. And I'm going to kind of go back and just revisit just for a few moments uh, the timeline of the four Gospels. And we talked about how the four Gospels basically capture incarnation, which would be birth, all the way up into resurrection, which is Jesus rising from the dead. And so we get the incarnation of Christ, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld God, uh, God's Spirit and God's Son in the person of Jesus Christ. We see Jesus uh, baptized in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descending down on him. We see Jesus starting his public ministry and uh, all the great miracles and, uh, and just uh, incredible teachings that Christ gives us. And then we see him walk the Via Della Rosa. We see him walk willfully to a place of being murdered on a cross and on the third day being raised from the dead. So as we look at the Gospels, if you miss any of our messages, you can go back thecrossloganville.org. All of our messages are online. The, the, the slideshow kind of thing that we, we put together again today over the last three weeks, you'll notice that it's been kind of a, a great explanation and teaching piece. All of those uh, PDFs, uh, Ashley, who works with us in media and design, has put all of that online. So all of this is available for you to grab. Now, yesterday, my daughter Hannah who was 15, Hannah looked at me and she said, Daddy, I am really excited about uh, going through the book of Acts. And I said, I am too, baby girl. I'm, I'm very excited. But Hannah, you made the statement yesterday that the book of Acts can be a little trippy to understand. And you're exactly right. It can be trippy to understand. According to your denominational marinade, it can be way trippy to understand. Let me explain. Inside the Cross Loganville, we're a non-denominational church, which means we're not directly affiliated with any denomination. Because the word denomination comes from the Latin word denonymous, which means to divide the nation, I felt like years ago uh, when the Lord put it on my heart to pastor locally that it needed to be a non-denominational church, okay? If you come out of a Baptist, Presbyterian, conservative uh, kind of background, the Holy Spirit was treated as a redheaded stepchild. If you're redheaded, I'm not down on redheads, Chad, but you'll get over it. So you'll have a glorified body one day. So here's the deal. But if, but, but, but if you grew up in a very conservative Bible environment, a lot of times the people were afraid to deal with the, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's true. If you grew up in a Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Church of God, Sometimes them cats swing so far over with the Holy Spirit that it freaks them out and other people that they talk to about the Holy Spirit. The, the problem is when you start to look at the book of Acts, according to your marinade, it can be misuse or abuse or underuse based on your background. 
So when Hannah shared that with me yesterday, Daddy, I'm really looking forward to breaking it down. I said, so am I, because I believe that God wants to give all of us insight into the book of Acts, the book of Acts. I really do. Now, here's what I would say to you. Incarnation, resurrection with the Gospels. You pick up the book of Acts, and this is what you're dealing with early on. For a 40-day period of time, Jesus reveals himself to his disciples and to others over a 40-day window of time. Even after Jesus had been crucified, buried, and was raised from the dead, they go to the tomb, Dustin, he's not here, he's risen. Thomas never saw him, and then Thomas later is hanging out with some of the other Peter, James, and John guys. He's like, man, I got to be able to touch his hands, and I, I want to feel the hole in his side. I, I want to see him. And Jesus appears to Thomas and said, Thomas, come here. Well, Peter and those guys had walked all the way back up to Tiberias to the Sea of Galilee after resurrection. And about a week later, Jesus appears to them while they're out fishing, and he's fixing breakfast on the seashore, and he says, come here, boys. Peter, do you love me? And over a 40-day window of time, Jesus appears to a variety of people. Now, picking it up in the book of Acts chapter 1, I want to unpackage an overview of the book of Acts for you. I want you to hear this. Very fascinating. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, after saying these things, Jesus was taken up into a cloud, and they could no longer see him as he was rising into the heavens. And then two men suddenly appeared, and he looks at these disciples and others as they're on the Mount of Olives, and he says, men of Galilee, why are y'all staring into the heavens? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So Jesus reveals himself for a 40-day period of time. The book of Acts, here we go. He still appears, and while he's speaking, he takes off. He ascends. Now, he's already told them, stay, don't go anywhere. Here in about seven days, six days, whatever, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. When's that going to happen? It's going to happen on a day that we call Pentecost, P-E-N-T, P -E -N -T, when you study Scripture, Either, either deals with five or 50 or whatever. The Pentateuch of the Bible of the Old Testament are the first five books. When we deal with Pentecost, we're looking at 50 days after the death, burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus takes place. And so on Pentecost, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. That's where, that, that's where we're going to go. Now, you've got to ask the question, just stop for a second. Tim, who wrote the book of Acts? There's been a raging debate, but it shouldn't be a raging debate. Luke chapter 1, Luke writes, and he says, uh, hey, after compiling all this stuff, after investigating the claims of Christ, Theophilus, I'm writing to you this account where you'll know who Jesus is. Luke chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Theophilus, in my first 
writing to you. I composed this until Jesus was taken up into heaven. Now I'm going to finish the story. Who wrote it? Luke. Who did he write it to? He wrote it to Theophilus. Who is Theophilus? Theo, God. Phylus comes from the word phileo. It's one of the four words of love. Agape, eros, storge, phileo. Phileo means brotherly love. I'm writing to you, who, brother, who is loved by God. Who's Theophilus? Every person sitting in here today. We're all loved by God. So even though Luke wrote it, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is inspired by God. Peter would say no man ever wrote any prophecy on his own initiative, but the Holy Spirit wrote through them. Now, in my Bible here, which is a New American Standard, if I open it up to the book of Acts, here's what it says, and I want to help you with something today. So, I'm going to talk like I'm talking to Hannah and the rest of y'all can listen to it. So, in my, my Bible right here, it says the Acts of the Apostles. It's not true. It's not completely true. The book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit initially working through the apostles and then working through other believers. The book of Acts is about the Holy Spirit coming and what God is able and capable of doing with people filled by the Holy Spirit, how they're able to do mighty, powerful works when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just the actions of the apostles. It's really the actions of the Holy Spirit. If you care anything about doctrine, theology, studying the Word of God, I want you to hear me loud and clear. The book of Acts is not a book that you can build doctrine out of. The book of Acts is not a book of theology. The book of Acts is a history book and a mystery book, not a doctrine book. If you're going to build your doctrinal statement and theological statement, you build it out of Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You build it out of 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, etc. You go to books that deal with doctrine. The book of Acts is the actions of the Holy Spirit. Whatever... God originated, man in the flesh loves to try to duplicate it in the flesh. What God is revealing to us in the book of Acts is origination, not duplication. It's original. It's fresh. The book of Acts is fascinating as I study through it. And I think it's important to understand that the book of Acts screams that when true followers of Jesus Christ become empowered by the Holy Spirit and are yielding to the Holy Spirit, watch out. You can't contain it. You can't explain a lot of what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. God is wanting to do a new thing, an original thing. The book of Acts starts by screaming and declaring this message. There is a new power to live a new way. You can live with joy and peace and abundance every day now. 
Jesus would say, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to listen to me. If you ask the casual attender of church, would you rather have Jesus or would you rather have the Holy Spirit? Most people growing up in the conservative environment would say, I would rather have Jesus. But if you had Jesus and you were only able to hang out with him, let's say two hours a week, you would have God in flesh with you two hours a week. There's 10,080 minutes in a given week. You would get 120 minutes with him in a given week. When he looks and says, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, Papa Abba is going to send the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you rather have God in you 10,080 minutes a week? And Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go. Because when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, the presence and power and peace and perspective of God to the yielded believer is going to be inside of you all the time. So when you pick up the story and start studying it, the Scripture even says in Acts 4, we'll get there, Peter and John are testifying and it's like they're uneducated, unlearned men. And what God was able to do through the power of the Holy Spirit was to take a bunch of nobodies and fill them with him. And within a 30-year period of time, they turned the empire upside down because of their passion for truth because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God could take a bunch of ragamuffin renegades like you and I that if we surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and we were not consumed with what other people thought, we would reach Loganville and beyond through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Just telling you. So Acts chronicles the early church. Acts chronicles the early church after Jesus ascends. Church, Tim, what does that mean? The word church is the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia means those who belong to the Lord. So when we're picking up the book of Acts, we're talking about the church, we're talking about those who belong to the Lord. Now, to me, write this down, Hannah Kasha, because I'm talking to you and the rest of y'all are listening. Acts, give me three words, Tim. Uh, Acts is gospel. Acts is spirit. Acts is mission. From Acts chapter 1 through what we have recorded in Scripture, it's the gospel. It's good news. Jesus is alive. Jesus gives hope. Jesus can set you free. It's spirit. You don't have to do it by yourself any longer. God has now sent forth his presence and peace and power to live inside of you. It's mission. Get outside of your own comfort zone and take it to the streets. So Acts 1-8, Acts 1-8 is crucial. It's crucial. You shall, listen, listen, listen. You shall receive power. You shall be my witness. The Holy Spirit is going to come down on you. What's key? Power. You're going to receive power. What is the word? It's dunamis in the Greek. You're going to receive the dunamis of God. What is dunamis? It's where we get the English word dynamite from. You're going to receive God's style 
power, dunamis, dynamite inside of you. You're going to have God in you. You're going to have God in you. And as a result of that, you're going to be my witness. The word witness is where we get the word martyr, martyr from. Some of y'all are going to die. A matter of fact, out of all the disciples that you study, Peter and all the rest of them, only John didn't die a martyr's death. The rest of them, Peter, crucified upside down. Some of them were put to death at the stake. Some of them had spears kind of go through them. But you're going to be my, my, my witnesses, my martyrs. But I, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have power and you're going to be my witness. As a result of what you've got, this is what you're going to do. So in the first eight or nine chapters of Acts, you really see more of a gathering, a gathering. They're embracing the gospel. They're filled with the Spirit. They're embracing the gospel. They're filled with the Spirit. They're doing life together. Acts chapter 2, if you look at verse 1, it says this. Oh, this is so good. Acts 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost happened, hey, y'all go, stay. Don't leave Jerusalem. Stay connected. Bam, the Holy Spirit falls. Fire from heaven. Wind whirling. And all of a sudden, the fire and the flames of God fell on these early disciples. He told us to wait. Now he's clothed us outside and in with the power and the presence of himself. Holy Spirit's inside of us. What are y'all going to do? Listen, listen, listen. What are you going to do? We're going to go down to the temple. We're going to go down where all these people are in from all parts of the world. They're celebrating Passover. They've been celebrating all this stuff for weeks, first fruits. We're going down. They're celebrating and, and, and Peter gets down there and God says, Peter, stand up and tell them the truth. So Peter stands up on the temple steps and says, men of Israel, y'all listen to me. This Jesus is painted up in Acts 2. He presents the gospel. They say, you're drunk. He says, it's nine in the morning. I've had nothing to drink. This is all about the power of the gospel. This is all about Jesus rising from the dead. And Matt, the scripture says there was about 3,000 that believed that day. People from all different parts of the world were hearing the gospel proclaimed in their own tongue. The fire from heaven, tongues being utilized, and people are responding. What happened? The Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the acts of the apostles. It's the actions of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, Chad, in your life, Nick, in your life, Tim, Dean. Watch what God can do. Acts chapter 3, they go back down to the temple. Barb and I stood at this gate called Beautiful. There was a paralytic guy there. He's begging for money. Peter, John, they look at him and they're like, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. What you need is not money. What you need is not another feel sorry person to just kind of hang with you. You need Jesus. And the guy stands up and begins to walk, and he starts testifying. God brings about healing because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working in these people. I remember 
Matt OD'd. He was laying in a hospital in Athens. Hadn't responded. Matt lived in our neighborhood where Barb and I first moved to Georgia. He's like, he's going to die. He's not responding. He's been in a coma for nine days. Go over there. And the Lord said, lay hands on him and pray over him. Like, seriously? Lay hands on him. I laid hands on Matt, started praying. He started moving his toes later, started moving his fingers. His wife's like, he ain't moved in nine days. You have the gift of healing? No, the Holy Spirit has got the gift of healing. He just told me to act in that one moment. If I had the gift of healing, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be at Sick Kids Hospital at Scottish Rite. That's the reason some of these cats that claim they have the gift of healing, don't sell it. Go down and share it in Jesus' name. Quit profiting off of it. You go live it out if you've got it. A few years later, I'm down in Noonan. Terrell Reed, one of my good friends, coached basketball, high school in Noonan. Man, he was eating up with cancer. He was going through all this stuff. I wanted to go see him. I get to the hospital. He's in ICU. He hadn't moved. He hadn't had anything to drink or eat. He's been in a coma. And his wife looked at me and she said, Tim, he's in a coma. We don't know if he's going to come out. I said, can I just hang in, out in, hang out in here with him for a little bit? I'm like, I want to read him scripture or something. And the Lord said, lay hands on him. Tim, lay hands on that dude right now. So I laid hands on him. Within 15 minutes, he sets up and he's trying to talk to me. Cut mouth, he has nothing. Starts dialoguing with me. Can I tell you something? It doesn't happen every day in my life. It doesn't happen every week in my life. But there's moments where God says, lay hands and pray over that person. And Peter and John go, hey, we don't have any money. We got Jesus. Get up. And he gets up. I don't know what you've got and what you don't have. But if you know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is desiring to fill you from head to toe, wherever you're at, you're a useful vessel at any time. Be available. I was like, wow. Something's going on. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, man, I'm telling you, this is working. The gospel is true. It can set you free. They end up beating these dudes up, throwing them in jail. Y'all need to shut up. We get Acts 4.12. There's not another name under heaven where men can be saved except the name of Jesus. We're not going to shut up. Kicked them around a little bit. Man, y'all need to hush. We're not going to hush. Holy Spirit's moving. Y'all with it? Come on, Hannah Cash, you with me? It's all about the Holy Spirit, baby, working at any given moment. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He kicks us in the butt and says, get out there and get after it. So Acts 2 and 4, when you start to read it even in more detail, Barnabas and all these guys were selling everything they had. They were bringing all their resources together. And it says in Acts 2 and Acts 4, at the end of both of those chapters, Dustin, that they were sharing, they were praying, they were living in oneness together, they were living in community together, and generosity was the heartbeat of heaven that had captured their hearts. Barnabas sold all this stuff. They were like, dude, that, that, that's so awesome what you're doing. His name means son of encouragement. God ends up using him. So the heartbeat of the New Covenant Church is generosity, it's giving, it's sharing, it's praying, it's taking care of, it's coming together. What you've got is mine, what I've got is yours. We're in this thing together. Yes, we're in this thing together. Everybody in? 
Yes, we're in. Everybody all in. Yes, we're all in. Yes, we're all in. You flip it over to chapter 5. We're all in, Drew. God's, God's doing something. The Holy Spirit is in you. Holy Spirit is in me. We don't want to do anything to quench Holy Spirit. Ananias comes in. Hey, hey, did you, did you sell your land? Yeah, we, we sold it. Is this the amount you sold it for? Yes. Peter goes, why are you lying? Why do you want to lie to the Holy Spirit? You had some stuff. You didn't have to sell it, but you said, I'm going to sell it. I'm all in. So you sold it for 10000 and you said, I'm bringing uh, the full amount. But you didn't sell it 10000 You sold it for 100000 You're only bringing ten in. You're lying. It was yours when you had it. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? Boom. What happened to Omi? He died. All over the Holy Spirit. We ain't playing that game in the church. We're playing that game. You're either all in or you're not, but don't lie. Don't say you're all in and you're not all in. About three hours later, his wife shows up. They're like, hey, Safara, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Peter asked her the same question. She lies. And Peter goes, the same guys that took your husband out three, year, uh, three hours ago and buried him are here to get you. Bam, she hits it. She dies. If the Holy Spirit functioned that way today, <laughs> how many of y'all are all in? I'm all in, brother. How many of y'all are living generous lives? How many of y'all are tithing plus? How many of y'all are sharing your faith? I'm all in. Why you want to lie? Tom Wages has got a car out there right now to pick you up. Stewart's bringing one later. Hush. You want to talk about thinning out a church? See, we don't want the Holy Spirit really to be able to flow inside of a body. We want to do our own thing. We want to say that we're in only when it's convenient for us. We want to leverage our agenda while tapping into some of the privileges of what God has. I'm telling you. We met yesterday, Jim, and our guys, Neil and Chris, and all of, all of our elder guys met yesterday. There's five guys. Chad, we met, didn't we, brother? And here's what we said. Here's what I looked at the guys and said. We don't dot every I and cross every T exactly the same when it comes to where we land on every verse. But the key ones were, were there. But what we said yesterday is we trust each other's why. I believe your why is to glorify God. I believe your why is to honor Jesus with everything you've got. I believe your why is there. Your what's and how's differ. When you don't trust the person's why, you cannot partner with them. When you don't trust their why, you're not going any further. And I think that's what makes it work with the early church. What's your why? We're all in. We want to know, Josh Lee, we, get, we got to know Yeshua with all of our hearts. Are you lying and hiding and covering anything? No. Y'all with it so far? Y'all understanding the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit is working. People are getting saved and people are getting buried. All of a sudden, the word is spreading, Matt, and they look and say, hey, we can't do all this by ourselves. We need to get some other men who are faithful 
who can help us with this call that God's placed on our life. So they choose the seven. We call them deacons or whatever today. But we need to choose seven men. Seven is the number of completion. We need some other godly men that can help carry the torch. Yes. The first guy who is mentioned in Acts here with the choosing of the seven in chapter six is a guy by the name of Stephen. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit, a man of high integrity and character, and God was doing a work on him. So it starts to emphasize, man, the, the, the church is growing, and we've got to add more responsible people. Acts 6. By the time you get to Acts chapter 7, Stephen is standing up making a defense of the gospel because some people were attacking him. And the Bible says there was this radiant countenance on Stephen, and he's declaring, Benji, the good news of Jesus, and they got ticked at him, and the Bible says they took him out back and took big boulders and stones and stoned him to death. He was the first martyr of the new covenant movement, new covenant church. Stephen, the Bible says that even while they were stoning him, he looked and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. One of the guys that was there was a guy by the name of Saul. Saul gets a lot of ink, not as Saul, but later. But he was in hearty agreement. Yeah, y'all stone that fool, man. Kill him. Kill them all. Acts chapter 8, the church is starting to be persecuted greatly. And they're starting to scatter a little bit. Not as much as they will. But they've gathered and they're about to scatter. They've gathered and they're now about to scatter. Acts 8, opposition, persecution, a few wins here and there. You get to Acts chapter 9. All of a sudden, this guy Saul that was in hearty agreement with killing this guy Stephen, he's walking down a road called Damascus. He hates the way followers. That would be what we would call Christians or Christ followers. They called them the way in that day. I'm going to kill these stinking Christians. I've got papers from the Sanhedrin and the hierarchy. I can go kill them and wipe them out. You're going about your business. And while he's walking down the Damascus road, there's a light from heaven that shines down and bam, knocks him down. And the voice from heaven says, Saul, 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 why why do you want to persecute me? Saul, why do you want to persecute me? It was a mismatch. The light from heaven that hit him overwhelmed him. It was a mismatch. He couldn't do anything about it. And he goes, who, who, who aren't there, thou Lord? Am I dealing with you, God? And God goes, you're dealing with me. Saul has an amazing conversion, if you will. Was Saul converted? No. Saul was completed. He was a follower of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just hadn't embraced Yeshua Jesus as being Messiah. And it's boom there that God chooses a man that's going to represent him. God does an amazing work, but he looks at him and he says, you realize there's a ton of stuff you're going to suffer from my namesake, don't you? Yes. Saul, the antagonist, turned Paul, the apologist, the persecutor, now turned proclamator is filled with the Holy Spirit. God is about to do a new work. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit ambushing a man by the name of Saul, now Paul. 
Now the gospel is about to spread. It's about to scatter. Peter gets a revelation through the Holy Spirit. I want you to go over to Cornelius' house, Acts 10. Cornelius is an Italian kind of dude. He's a Gentile. Peter's like, we don't hang with Gentiles. That ain't cool. Holy Spirit says, don't call unclean what I've made. All of a sudden, Peter gets this vision of the sheet coming down from heaven. There's all these reptiles and swine and different things on it. He goes, eat. Peter's like, man, I've always eaten kosher. I haven't ever eaten this barbecue and rib kind of thing before. He goes, eat it because I've made it. Go take the gospel to Cornelius. All of a sudden, Cornelius, the Holy Spirit, has already told him this guy's going to show up. Peter gets there, starts to share. Cornelius' household responds to the gospel. All of a sudden, Gentiles are getting cut in on the deal. How many of y'all in this room grew up third, fourth, fifth generation out of Judaism today? Raise your hand. How many true Nazarites do I have in the house? How many of y'all grew up as stinking mutts and sooners and dogs with no pedigree? A bunch of Gentiles raised your hand. Aren't you glad that the gospel went to the Gentiles? Take it to Cornelius' house. Yeah, take it down to Earl's house. Take it to Tim's house. Cut the Gentiles in. So Acts chapter 10 screams, not who let the dogs out, but who let the dogs in? The Holy Spirit did. That's what it screams. I am extending the gospel to all people. It screams. It's not a color issue. It's not an IQ issue. It's not a socioeconomic issue. The gospel screams that God is not a God of partiality, and he's not a God of favoritism. It's on. Now, I got in your bulletin. I want to hit this real quick, and then I want to wrap some thoughts up with you. But because of the persecution, the gospel starts to spread. Because of the persecution, what's happening? When the revelation comes to Peter, take the gospel to Cornelius. Your purpose until the day you die. If you're a blood-bought saint, under the blood of Christ, and you call yourself a Christian Christ follower, a saved person. Your purpose until the day you die, every person under my voice, your purpose until the day you die is to share the gospel, is to share the good news, is to share God's heart to your world. You've got the same purpose that I have. Now, it's going to include a lot of suffering, a lot of turmoil, a few victories, a lot of insults, and a few celebrations. It's going to require deep prayer and deep dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It's going to require that you're so anchored in the hope of the resurrection that because of the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you, you're okay with being booed. It's going to require that you give up being liked, applauded by all. Because if you're motivated by praise, you'll be deflated by criticism. You'll have to get to the place where you're motivated by the power and the peace of the gospel of Christ inside of you in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when you start to study the early church, gospel, spirit, mission, gospel, spirit, mission, power, witness, power, witness. They were dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It's in your bulletin. They were dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It was unscripted. They were confident in Jesus Christ being the only way. There was no other ways. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. They were devoted to live out their mission. They prayed for boldness when they went out. They didn't pray for the elimination of attacks. They just prayed for boldness. Give us boldness. They gave all they had to advance the gospel. And they were willing to suffer and die. They were willing to suffer and die. They were willing to suffer and die. Are you? When you read the characteristics and manifestations of the early believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe with all my heart this should be our attitude. You got to get after it. You can't sit around. You're going to be attacked. I, I, I know. People are going to dog you. I, I know. They're going to tell you you're a fool. Yes, I know. But are you willing to take it? Gospel goes to Cornelius. It's spreading. Acts 13, you see the first missionary journey uh, that's somewhat organized. Berea, Thessalonica, all these places, they're taking the gospel. Man, it's going out. They're starting to realize what Acts 1-8 is, the power, as a result of them being their God's witness, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest part. Acts 14, man, there's revival, and there's opposition, and there's revival, and there's opposition. There's good things. There's attacks. Read it. It's all there. Acts 16, I told y'all to shut up. Quit talking about this nonsense. Paul, we done locked your boys Peter and John up. We'll lock you up. I ain't backing down. Paul's with Silas. We ain't backing down. Paul and Silas, they throw them in the jail. First ever jailhouse rock happens in Acts 16. Read it. Holy Spirit comes in and just settles on that place, breaks the chains. Guys are free. Dustin, they're declaring the gospel. The jailer comes in and looks. He's blown away with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Acts 16, 30 and 31, 32 in there. It says that the jailer and his entire household responded to the gospel. What must we do? Man, you got to believe, man. You got to repent. You got to get this thing right. Yes. The Holy Spirit's moving. The church is growing. This is all just in a few year period of time. Acts 17, it's still on. Acts 17, 11, one of my favorite verses. Those in Berea were much more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. For they examined the scriptures carefully daily to see if what was being taught was truth or not. I memorized that one a long time ago. I'm like, that's a cool verse buried in the midst of all this kind of movement of the Holy Spirit. Why is it a great verse? Because they examined the scriptures daily to see if what was being taught was truth or not. I'm like, I want to be a Berean. I want to study it every day. Acts 17, 22, Paul's over in Athens, Greece. There's all this religious behavior going on. There's all this polytheistic worship. Starting in verse 22, Paul stops and he says, I've been noticing y'all, man. Y'all are some religious folk. Man, y'all are really serious about practicing religion. But while I was paying attention to y'all, 
Y'all got this one thing ascribed over here that says to an unknown God. Can I talk to y'all about that unknown God? And he breaks down Jesus. And many of them there responded and said, yes. Yes, we want to know him. Others go, you're a fool. You're an idiot. The Holy Spirit's moving. You can't capture it. You can't contain it. It's the mystery of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is all about the history of what God was doing in the early church through freed up people that were willing vessels to be used. Paul goes down in Acts 19. He gets to a place called Ephesus. Y'all listen to this one. It's a problem passage. People butcher and misuse this text big time. He gets down to Ephesus, Acts 19. He gets there. There's a few guys hanging out. And Paul goes, uh, did y'all receive the Holy Spirit when y'all believed? <sighs> no, we didn't receive the Holy Spirit when we believed. I'm telling you, this one right here is where people jump ship and get crazy. What baptism did y'all get when y'all were baptized? Oh, we got baptized by John the Baptist. Did y'all receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, no, we didn't believe. We didn't, we didn't get no Holy Spirit. We didn't, we didn't know there was a, such a thing. Whose baptism did y'all go through? John the Baptist? Oh, 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 yeah. Ask the fundamental question. This is not a passage that teaches second and third and tenth filling of the Holy Spirit. This must be understood within context. Did John the Baptist baptize pre or post-Pentecost? Pre-Pentecost. When John the Baptist baptized, was the Holy Spirit available? No. How could they get what wasn't available? Couldn't get it. He goes, oh, so y'all received this baptism of repentance. That's right. But adding to, Jesus has come. Jesus has died. And he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Yeshua bows. And he gave up. And he told us to go back over to Jerusalem and wait for the day of Pentecost where the ghost would fall. Y'all didn't get it? No, man. We got John's. Come here. He lays hands on these people. And they receive the Holy Spirit. When I surrendered to Jesus Christ in October of 85, the Holy Spirit was available. Do I believe that I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day? Do I believe that so many conservative evangelicals have never trusted, appreciated, and allowed the Holy Spirit to take over their lives? Yes. Do I believe in a second filling, and a third filling, and a tenth filling, and a hundredth filling, and a thousandth filling, and a fifty millionth filling? Yes. I need to be filled every day because I leak just like you do. But some of you sitting here have quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God has desired to breathe his life in and through you, and you've quenched it. I've had people say, well, if you have really received the Holy Spirit, the evidence is speaking in tongues. Save it. It's a gift. Why do you have to teach somebody how to do it? 
If God wants me to have the gift of tongues to utilize wherever I'm at, he'll give it to me just like he did back to the healing place with Matt or anybody else. It's a gift. I don't beg for gifts. I receive gifts because the giver of gifts is the one who gives gifts. You have the Holy Spirit. You doggone right I do. When did you get it? I got it at the day of repentance and receiving Jesus. I received the Holy Spirit. But some of you sitting here, you've quenched the Spirit. You've suffocated the Spirit. And there's no Spirit of Christ living out of you. Which indicates if there's no fruit, you've got to question the root. The root of salvation is always going to produce fruit. If the church will repent, if the church will respond, there's some of you that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is it because the Holy Spirit wasn't given when you believed? No, it's because you have rejected the Holy Spirit. And God can't do anything through you. Some of y'all, you walked in here today and you know that you're functioning like Ananias and Sapphira. You're lying, you're cheating, you're hiding, you're covering, you're not straight up. Now, let me wrap it. I want you to hear this loud and clear. God wants to flood us from head to toe with the Holy Spirit. God wants me walking filled with the Holy Spirit. The scariest chapter in the Bible is Acts chapter 29. The scariest chapter you will read in the Bible. I asked the question in the first service, how many of y'all have read Acts 29? Raise your hands. People raise their hands. And I said, really? How'd that work for you? There's only 28 chapters in the canonized scripture in the book of Acts. There's only 28 chapters. Let me tell you why Acts 29 is so scary. The first 28 chapters in that book show us what the historical move of the Holy Spirit was doing with the early believers. Acts 29 is scary because it's the unscripted life of how the Holy Spirit wants to write a new chapter in and through you today. Acts 29 is being written every day by spirit-filled believers who are yielded to God. Do you know what's, what he's going to do today? I don't. Do you know where he's going to lead you? I don't. Do you know who he's going to intersect you with? I don't. It's unscripted. We were talking yesterday about a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. We concluded we live with purpose, but we, we Peter, what is your five-year plan since the Holy Spirit is falling? I know exactly how do you plan to carry out this mission. Do what? My five-year plan did not include getting my butt kicked in pretty much every city and incarcerated. How about you, Paul? Since you've been given a new name, your name was Saul, which meant requested and admired, and you met this Jesus guy, and he's changed your name to Paul, which means little and small. Well, how does that work for you? That sucks, because you would rather be requested and admired than be little and a nobody, wouldn't you? What is your five-year plan? Read 2 Corinthians 11. I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I was bitten by snakes. 39 lashes. My plan is to have my lunch handed to me. No, my purpose is to glorify God and to be able to move any moment. Is it okay to have a plan? Yes. 
But your plan better be attached to your purpose. What is your purpose? To know God, to worship God, to glorify God, to enjoy God wherever he has you. What is your purpose? To be totally filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in power as his witness. Acts 29, what is God wanting to do in you today? How is the Holy Spirit wanting to write a new chapter that's never been written through you today? What are you doing to quench the Holy Spirit using you today? In Jesus Christ, the offer of salvation is extended to the world. Through the church, you are now to be his witnesses and take that offer to the world. Who are you taking the gospel to today? Take the gospel to your world. Who are you sharing Christ with? Who are the A's and B's in your life? Are you willing to be Paul? You willing to be little and small? Take it. Allow God to write Acts 29 like it's never been written before. 